Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing very well indeed. It feels like, well, I mean, it doesn't feel like it has been a long time since we've recorded. It has been, yeah. Yeah, last time we were first looking Thousand Shapes of Horror, back in the last decade. Yeah, it's our first podcast of the decade, right? Yeah, exactly. Happy New Year, listener. Yeah, everyone's had a, a, good, a good break, whatever they were doing, whatever they were celebrating. Yeah, absolutely. It's a funny time, isn't it? Because on the one hand, it feels like there's a bit of holiday and one could be playing lots of Arkham. And then if you're anything like me, you're actually dashing from family home to other side of the family home and generally busy and don't have that much time for Arkham. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. The, the closest I got to Arkham was I bought a copy of Thousand Shapes of Horror at my childhood gaming store <laughs> and I was back home in Newcastle. That feels, that's actually, I think, like a lot of my childhood gaming was buying things I hoped to play and then not playing them, looking, <laughs> yeah. looking at them kind of dreamingly. Standing in the, the basement in Forbidden Planet reading role-playing game rule books. Yes, yes, exactly that, exactly Imagine that. if I had friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, an awe to both of us. So, listener, I hope you've had a good break, good new year. It's it's also funny that Arkham doesn't really follow the calendar, does it? We're halfway through the Dream Eater cycle, nearly. And in this episode, as you've probably guessed from the episode title, we have another card to announce. Uh, and I'm pretty excited about this one. I think it's a, a thinker. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's a good podcasty, talky one. <laughs> good. Yeah, that's what we like. So this is Three Aces. It is a rogue skill. It's one XP and it has a wild icon. It's fortune and practiced traded, and it's myriad. So if you want all three copies, still only costs one XP. If you commit three copies of three aces to a skill test, that test automatically succeeds. Do not reveal chaos tokens from the chaos bag. Then draw three cards and gain three resources, max once per test. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) All in capitals, yeah. Yes. So this is an automatic success card then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of auto success cards, this in terms of XP for auto success cards, this compares pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what straight auto success cards have we got? I think of like Stroke of Luck, but that still yeah. doesn't work on a, ten- on a tentacle. Yeah, 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 absolutely. There's U Catastrophe, which, yeah. I mean, it's not an auto success, is it? But it's... It's a turning a dropping your skill to zero to an elder sign, and then the other card that I think of in that same vein is Seal of the Elder Sign, which is five XP because you can just guarantee that you pull an elder sign. But that's still not necessarily automatic success, is it? Yeah, I mean Preston's got an auto success on his uh, on his elder sign ability. Mm, yes, and we've that's got Mateo. Yeah. Yes, and we've got Miss Doyle and her three cat minions. Mm-hmm. will automatically succeed. But I yes. think it's, it, it's, it, it's not often we just see automatically succeed at this test, right? No, it's very it's very rare. I'm just, it's funny actually, I'm thinking, is there another, because the, I suppose the thing that I'm thinking about is in Rogue, there are a couple of automatic evasion effects, like in Cheap Shot, 
if you succeed by two, you automatically evade. But automatic evasion is not the same as automatically succeed. And where yeah. that's important for rogue is if you're succeeding, uh, if you're automatically evading an enemy, there's no skill value because you're not taking a test. So pickpocketing level two doesn't trigger. Whereas if you automatically succeed, that drops the difficulty of the test to zero, yeah. which means that pickpocketing and lucky cigarette case and succeed by two effects do actually fire. So there's a there's a difference there between automatic success and automatic evasion. Maybe that's where my head was going to. Yeah, it's it's a pretty rare effect. I've just thought, of course, Wendy, once she has her amulet in play, her elder sign becomes an automatic success as well. Yes. But you need the amulet in play. Yes, and of course at that point you could combine it with Eucatastrophe to turn Eucatastrophe into an automatic success. Yes. And the same with Matteo and the uh, uh, Elder Sign. Yes, and he can take Eucatastrophe because it's blessed. Yes, of course, yeah. 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 In my recent Silas and Matteo Forgotten Age playthrough, we were lovingly dubbed the Elder Sign bros because we both had such good Elder Signs. Uh, Part of what I did with that Matteo deck was just try and make sure that I could see the Elder Sign five or six times a game, you know, between Olive and Sealing and a couple of Seal of the Elder Signs. It was just, yeah, fetching the Elder Sign when I needed it. So uh, this card, Three Aces, Mm. can I share with you the pop culture reference uh, that this reminds me of? Please do, yeah. So in the first Bill and Ted film, Excellent Adventure, Mm -hmm. they travel back to the Old West and get involved in a card game with Billy the Kid. Do you remember this? Nice. I don't remember this. And they're dealing out the cards, and every time Ted, who's Keanu Reeves, gets a card, he like has this big stupid grin on his face. And Bill leans over and he says, "Hey, what are you doing, dude? You got to have a poker face like me." Uh, and then like he's, "Oh, okay." And then uh, then Bill gets another card, adds it to his hand, and he goes, "Oh, hey, three aces." <laughs> is that is that the reference? It could be. It could be the reference. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, if only the name of the card was speech marks, oh hey, three aces. Yeah, the art on this card is somewhat removed from Bill and Ted's Excellent It is, adventure. yes, it's, it's more suave. It's, yeah, it's a woman with a cigarette in a cigarette holder, smoking in some kind of dingy speakeasy. Although actually it's not that dingy, it's kind of beautiful card table. So she's clearly one of the gambling elite of Arkham, I would imagine. And she's only holding three cards, and she's looking at them fairly, fairly poker-faced, I would say, actually. She's she's not sort of grinning. (laughs) Yeah. Bare minimum (laughs) for playing poker. Yeah, bare minimum. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Don't laugh when you draw your hand. It's not so good. Yeah, so um, we, we talked a little bit about automatic success, and there's something that's related to automatic success, that when we mention things like... uh, good elder sign effects that are the equivalent of automatic success. Normally they have some other bonus baked in. So Mateo is the prime example. Not only do you automatically succeed, but you also get an extra action or a card and a resource. So it makes you feel like automatic success is this really potent ability. But I was thinking about this this morning and thinking that really one of the challenges for evaluating three aces is that not all tests are made equal and automatically succeeding on any test is not necessarily that helpful. So if I'm just doing an investigate yeah. and it's the first clue of the game, 
I don't necessarily want to automatically succeed. Actually, a good comparison would be if I drew Tentacle and was tempted to use Mateo's ability to turn that into an Elder Sign. It would be a little bit of tempo, you know, get it would springboard me forwards, but it's not that valuable to have to have saved that one action, I would say. Um, there might be cases when you think, yeah, all I want is just to get ahead in this scenario, I need to get this clue and move on. But yeah, that for me would be the time at which automatic success isn't as useful. So I think when I think about this card, I then have to try and think about what are the times when you really want to guarantee success? Yeah. And that's the kind of gray area with the card that makes it quite hard to evaluate. Well, to me, this then, it, it seems like it's a card you use towards the end of the scenario. We all know that situation where you've got a big monster that you've got to kill to complete the scenario or a, or a location you've got to scoop up loads of clues off. That's the time when the rogue who's been stockpiling all these tricks throughout the scenario will throw everything into that test. Mm-hmm. And we've all had occasions where the token pull for that test has been a tentacle. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then you're like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> so this feels like that's the time you use it, mm-hmm. I guess, We're all on a big attack that you've put a lot of resources into. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of when I was playing as Tony recently. I was playing explicitly Succeed by 2 Tony. And probably every five or so turns... I would have a turn where I ended up with six or seven actions. Really, like the the, the scary thing was I wasn't trying very hard to get, to do that. I just would commit a bunch of the cards in my hand. I had a couple of quick thinkings. I had various of the succeed by two cards, maybe a double or nothing. And then with Leo De Luca and Tony's bounty action, suddenly I got a bunch more actions and I had these turns where. I actually had to use resources to count how many actions I'd taken because there were too many for me to think my puny brain doesn't go above four. So, yeah, I was finding myself doing these mega turns and then I would need to recover a little bit. I would have drawn a card from Lucky Cigarette Case and maybe got some other effects, uh, some more resources from Watch This, but I needed to rebuild. And what I like about three aces is if you can have it in hand, you get the three cards and three resources because that's we've talked about this a lot with Succeed by Two. We talked about it in terms of boom or bust or feast and famine. You know, the, the rogue is kind of stockpiling and stockpiling and they suddenly explode. But then there's maybe another style, which is fittingly that sort of poker style, that when you're in the lead in poker, you can start playing aggressively and make big bets and force other people off the table because they just can't match you and they can't see your bluff. Mm. Sometimes you lure them in and then you, you have a good hand and you beat them. And other times they just, you know, people just get scared off and you basically pick off people with not very many chips. And I can see that in three aces. Like you don't really want to commit this to the last test of the game, I would say. No, because then, I mean, then there's be no good. point in getting the three resources and the three cards. If nothing else. Yeah, you've you've spent an XP and you've saved three cards in hand just to make sure you nail that final test. So ideally you want to play this at a time when it's a critical test, but then you can also make the most of the draw three cards and gain three resources. And I mean you also if you're playing as say skids, you don't want this to pull you into hospital debts right as you finish the game. Like you no, depending no, on what's in your deck, you know, or there's there's that slight risk that drawing three cards Brings you, pulls you into that weakness you've been avoiding all game or whatever it is. Yeah, I'll note that the draw three cards does just replace the three the three aces, the three cards yes. you've drawn that yeah. are three aces, mm-hmm. which which I, yeah. I quite like. I guess the, there's several major downsides to the card. 
Mm-hmm. It's three cards in your deck or three slots that all go onto a single test, as opposed to say the cards we talked about, which are just one card. You know, you can have two cards and then that's two tests. This is three cards for one test, even if it is mm-hmm. only one experience. Mm-hmm. The other is yeah. that if you think back to the episode we did on the uh, fragments of orange. We yeah. talked a bit about the maths behind how much of your deck you have to draw in order to be relatively sure of seeing all three of a myriad card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's pretty much the headline all, all was of your tech. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it might happen just, you know, by chance, but to counter this, we have got Lucid Dreaming that's coming up in this pack as well, Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And just to remind us what that does, that's a neutral spell event costs one to play uh, 2 XP that mm-hmm. lets you choose a card either in your hand or in your play area uh, reveal it and then you search your deck for another copy of that card and draw it mm. okay yeah so that could be something as simple as your shriveling's running out so you or has has run out or has run out yeah and it's sitting in play empty and you go and fetch your next shriveling yeah yeah it really requires those cards that you don't necessarily want two copies of so you don't you don't want to use it to go and fetch your second old book of law because you're probably only ever putting one in play but you might want to go and get fetch anything that has any number of uses or events or you might want to fetch something that you need three of yes well the interesting thing that the two rogue myriad cards we've seen which are easy mark and three aces both benefit from Mm. having all three at hand when you play them in fact, three yes. aces, is, it, yeah. there's not really much point in playing it until you have three in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And easy mark, sometimes I might play only one if I've not seen the other two and I'm a, a little way into my deck in the hope that I hit another one, which is unlikely, but there's a possibility. But often I'll hold on and play at least two, and I think two is fine and won't worry about playing three. But exactly as you say with three aces... It would be a really sad day if one were to commit one of the three aces that you were so desperate because the whole point of the card, you've, you've spent a third of an XP then just to put a wild icon in your deck and that feels significantly below the curve. Yeah. So my question is, I guess, out of the rogues we know who's really got the draw power to, mm. to bust through their whole deck and, and find the three aces? Mm. Or, or what kind of build mm. have we got for a rogue to do? Yeah, I had a couple of thoughts. So the first, as I mentioned, was that Tony deck. And I was consistently spending extra actions to draw cards because I find with Succeed by Two, it lives and dies on having a handful of cards. And I can see how when you're playing Succeed by Two, you go so high above test thresholds that all in starts to become really appealing because that's draw a card for each point you succeed by to a maximum of five, and you get to ignore weaknesses. So that's you, you're six over the threshold of a test. You chuck in all ends, you're eight over. And even if you only succeed by three, you get another three card. You know, it all starts to fire. That, so that I can see the, the Tony style. The other person I wondered about was Finn, because Finn has seeker access. Yeah. So you could run... Mr. Rook in Finn, or you could run a couple of No Stone Unturned. Maybe you're running Lucky Cigarette Case because of lockpicks and drawing extra cards that and way. pickpocketing zero slash and two as well. That's two. really good in Finn. Yeah, so I've I've regularly looped my deck in Finn where I just steadily draw more cards. I find sometimes with Finn I do want to keep quite a big hand of tricks and 
the challenge with three aces, I'd say, just as a little tangent, but to loop back to what you said about Segment of Onyx, at least with Segment of Onyx, you can play them onto the table and you can decide, do I keep them in hand or do I play them? They're fast, they cost one. You can kind of get them out of the way yeah. and then you're waiting for the third. But with three aces, it has to sit in your hand and having like two sitting in your hand doing nothing, that's not insignificant to me. I feel like that that takes up a, a chunk of hand size that, that could be irritating as I wait. You know, you you want to draw hard to find the third, yeah. but that means you need to be able to spit out the other cards you get yeah. so you're not continually discarding. And in fact, you know, once you've got the yeah. third one, it, there might not be the turn you want to use it. So you might be yeah. holding on to yeah. those for a couple of turns once you've got all three, even if you manage to assemble them all fairly quickly. Mm. Yeah, that's not insignificant, is it, that they're sitting there taking up more or less a third of your hand, waiting for the, the right time. There's that fear then as well that a single treachery that makes you discard a random card from hand or whatever it is suddenly wipes you out. That would be really galling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mentioned Finn and Tony. Can you think of anyone else? Do you have any other thoughts in mind for, for rogues who might run it? Not for rogues, no. Uh, what I did do is put together a Mandy deck that, mm. that featured this card. Well, we've been talking a bit about this card behind the scenes and also yeah, <laughs> and a particular card from Thousand Shapes of Horror that we both mm-hmm. quite like, I think, or intrigued by, which is yeah. the big hand serum. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to our first look... <laughs> the Dream Enhancing Serum. The dream, the DES, yeah. we are referring to as the HES, yeah. Hand Enhancing Serum. The one joke that our podcast has. <laughs> <laughs> It's good because it works on several levels, Frank. <laughs> so it's, it's meta. Yeah, exactly. Space, so if yeah. you haven't seen that card yet, and I know it, people might be behind, I know I'm behind on playing and buying packs because of because it's been Christmas. Mm-hmm. This is a three cost asset seeker, and it's an arcane slot, which is weird. Mm. Uh, only the first copy of each card in your hand counts towards your maximum hand size. And then it also has a reaction ability. After you draw a copy of a card that is already in your hand, reveal both copies and exhaust Dream Enhancing Serum. Draw a card. So this is a really efficient draw engine if you're running, say, the Myriad cards. Mm -hmm. I'll also note, if you put Lucid Dreaming in Mandy, uh, she can trigger it twice, so she could find both copies of a Myriad card. Because you get to search your deck for a card, but she can trigger the target twice. So search her deck for two cards. Yes. So she could find, Amazing. if she's got one segment of Onyx, she could find the other two. Uh, same with Easy Mark and uh, Three Aces, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fetch fetch them just with a single <laughs> one-cost event. Yeah. And then she's ready to go. She gets a card out of it as well with Dream Enhancing Serum, if that's in play. And they don't count towards her hand size. The, the duplicate Exactly, copies. yeah. And in fact, she gets two cards of it. Two copies of it if she's got both Dream Enhancing Serum in play. Yeah, if she's doing both. Yeah, yeah. At this point, so I started building the deck and then I realised probably the, the most fun way to go with it would be with the Knowledge of the Elders Ancient Stone build, which deals mm. a damage. You spend secrets off the card dealing damage every time you draw a card. Yeah. And this deck can draw loads of cards. The other thing you can do, of course, is because it's Mandy, if you put in Astounding Revelation that can put secrets back onto your stones as well for extra damage. Mm. So nice. you've kind of got a machine yeah. gun, machine gun Mandy. And of course, three aces, when it's drawing you three cards, that's potentially three damage off of your yeah. stones. 
That's nice. Oh, that's really nice. You know what it, the, the, this deck might yeah. like? Truth from Fiction. Yeah, I did consider it. Because <laughs> you're using Rook with Secrets and Ancient Stone with Secrets. Yeah. It's it's a straight trade, though. I suppose it's sl- slightly underpowered because you're paying two, two resources and a card to get two more Secrets. Whereas with one more search, you just get another secret with Astounding Revelation. Oh, it's, a, it's an, uh, an interesting one. The other thing you can do is, mm. because I've put a cult lexicon in, you get three blood rights. Mm-hmm. So you could use the Lucid Dreaming to get both the other copies of blood right. And blood right oh, nice. is yeah, really, yeah. really cool with the stones as well. Because that's draw two cards with blood yes. right, which is two damage with the stones. And then you can discard two cards for two yes. more damage. So, oh. so yeah, that's you know, you could, you could play the lexicon then play Lucid Dreaming, and then next turn do a theoretical one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve damage in three actions. Hey, that's pretty good. That's like as good as our swift reload. Exactly. Power. Assuming you've got enough hey. charges. And of course, that's all automatic damage as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. It's like Machine Gun Mandy. Yeah, yeah. don't mess with the research really librarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really good. Really good. Okay, so I wanted to, a small point... When we were talking about Dream Enhancing Serum, it made me think, of course, Finn could take it as well. And if you're running a Myriad Finn and generally running a, holding a lot of tricks in your hand, maybe you would want to check out the Serum. It doesn't get in the way of a slot yes, for him. Yes, arcane, yeah. And it's a bit more draw, which is maybe worthwhile. That was a small thing. So I, I suppose the big picture of the Mandy deck, which is the more important thing here, is Mandy takes everything we've talked about about Myriad these cards are only as good as if you can find all three. That's you know either the ideal situation with Easy Mark or the like absolute baseline with Segment of Onyx or three aces that you want all three in hand. And she takes those difficulties and kind of throws them out of the window because she can find things in her deck quickly and she can find multiple things if she needs yeah. to. I've mentioned before on the cast that you can use Rook, search nine, pick two also hit a weakness, also hit astounding revelation, and you're getting four cards out yeah, of your deck yeah. just in one testless search. So that's a level zero ally that's drawing you more cards than a level four cryptic research. Yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, Rook's a good card anyway, but th- that level mm-hmm. of efficiency is so good. Yeah. The, the other thing that people have talked about is like, oh, but shocking discovery can shut that kind of thing down. And when you run a research librarian as you're doing, or if you don't mind losing a rook search early to shocking discovery, you can then use the even more powerful searches within exactly. Yeah. So lucid dreaming becomes insane. Search your entire deck for two cards. Yesterday I played Mandy and I ran No Stone Unturned level five. Yeah. And that I I was playing Segment of Onyx, so that was at the at the point at which I wanted to assemble the pendant. You know, when I had one in hand, I just pay two, fetch the other two, and trigger an Astounding Revelation. So you can either make the No Stone Unturned free with the two resources yeah, yeah. from Astounding Revelation, or, you know, charge up another Rook or get a free clue. you want to do. Get a free clue as well, if you prefer an Occult Evidence, yeah. So it's, that's incredibly powerful. Her power is really astounding. Uh, I've been playing her solo as well with Off-Class Rogue and finding that she's just really beefy. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's really... Um, is really something so then the next thing is that what in mandy do you want to automatically succeed at you're doing testless damage you're probably able to get clues pretty reliably are you saving three aces for like a clutch evade or a clutch 
willpower test that you don't want to wipe you out? Well, that's a good question. And actually, listening to you talk, you made me doubt the whole endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> it was really just a, 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 almost an academic, no pun intended, effort mm. to, to put those cards in a deck where they, they worked well. But you're right. I found with Mandy especially, she's really only taking the tests. I think like the other rogue card I've put in there is Decoy. Mm. Because being able to evade stuff if you're a relatively puny character physically is probably quite yeah. a good idea. If you're dealing automatic damage to an enemy at your location as well, like you don't need to be engaged with them or anything, so you might mm. as well have the enemies evaded. Let's you continue doing investigate tests and stuff. But maybe in this deck it's uh, it's there for a clutch evade or just mm-hmm. a single investigate check or something like that to get the, the benefit out of the cards. Yeah. There is a benefit to just having the cards in your hand because I've got curiosity in there. I think eventually you'd probably get higher education. Maybe maybe you don't even need that. Yeah, yeah, good possibilities. My solo Mandy runs decoy, slip away, and think on your feet. And my goal is to not really ever deal with enemies at all, like and just run away from them if I yeah. can. And that that's really nice. I mean. Uh, at a push, I can use my agility three, but I don't think I've ever done that. I've normally, you know, an enemy turns up and I tap rook and search twelve for the for the next evade card and get out of there. That works quite nicely. The other option I think for those that auto success would be often scenarios might have an odd test that's just to kind of throw you a curveball. Say you know a willpower four test on a location, or I've been playing. Excelsior, and there are a couple of agility tests that are non uh, non trifling agility tests that control parts of the map. Yeah, and there's also a couple of intellect tests. You know, I'm not going to say more than that. That you kind of want someone to smash. Yeah, yeah. So actually knowing that 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 clutch moment later in the scenario, you go, yeah, I've got that on lock. That that I can see that being really useful. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could even be someone else's test dash back to Good. the card quickly yeah yeah it it could be except that you can't commit all three because you oh, of course commit you can one commit card one. to other people's yeah, tests okay. yeah and i had exactly the same thought as you about 30 seconds ago okay <laughs> where it's like yeah this would be amazing for someone else's combat test but of course you can't commit more than one well card. i suppose you know the flip would be that they can commit say if they want to commit a vicious blow yeah or something to a test you know this this is the time to put it in if you've got test. the Ancient Stone down, a single punch with Mandy is four damage. Yeah. With three aces and Ancient Stone. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you automatically yeah. succeed, land one damage, draw three cards, do three more damage. Big old magical punch. <laughs> That's pretty nice. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like the deck. I think it's a really fun deck. It's a real Peter flavor of Mandy. I've seen a couple of your decks like this, and I think it will be really fun to try it. We'll put it in the show notes so you can go and have a look, listener, if you want to. Are you going to publish this deck, Peter? Do you think? Yeah, I might as well, yes. Yep. Publish it when the pack is released. Let us know what you think about Three Aces. I think it's a really a, a good head-scratcher of a card. Yeah, I, I think, to summarise my feelings, I, I would say it's a good discount version of several of the cards. It's like a discount. It's it, effectively mm-hmm. a third of an XP per card. Yeah. So it's a good discount version of U Catastrophe. That doesn't have mm-hmm. that much XP anyway, or a good discount version of All In. Yeah. All In. Yeah. You know, the- well, it kind of is because it's three three cards worth rather than the draw five. Or Seal of the Elder Sign as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm interested to play with it, for sure. I think it needs to be in someone who can draw those cards, because there's going to be nothing sadder than two aces in a test, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One ace? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, one ace. Nothing sadder than two aces, one ace. Well, and funnily enough, just a little anecdotal thing, that Succeed by Two Tony I was playing, the dream was that I committed everything, and it was, you know, the, the mega test. But often what I found was that if I had two or three Succeed by Two related cards, I just went for it. Because waiting to assemble the perfect Succeed by Two hand, like often a scenario puts you under too much pressure. I was playing a two-player, so I had someone else with me that was doing some clue stuff, but I needed to be involved. I couldn't just spend my whole time curating the perfect hand to, to do this sort of mega Succeed by Two. So often what I found was it's like, oh, I'll just do a punch and throw in a quick thinking. Oh, and the card it's drawn me is then, uh, the lucky cigarette case has drawn me, I'm going to use that for whatever it is. And I just sort of, I slightly pushed my luck in that I just did little bits and pieces of Succeed by Two, and that in itself built enough of a snowball to be really effective and powerful but three aces is like no don't do that (laughs) you can't be like oh well i've got one of the three i may as well chuck it in it's like you can't do that with three aces at all it's a really bad idea yeah so yeah that's interesting the the other like tiny thing i want to acknowledge is that it seems like the the shift in matt's design philosophy here that he's more willing to put the the, he's more willing to sort of hide the costs, I suppose I'd say. A good example is the Hawkeye folding camera. It's potentially two stat boosts, willpower and intellect, and a sanity boost, only for two costs as an asset. But what we ended up talking about was how easy or not is it to trigger. And then I remember we had the same conversation with Segment of Onyx, and we're having it again with three aces. He's willing to put the kind of hard work in the hands of the players, rather than just saying, oh... Hawkeye folding camera it's a five cost asset but you get these two skill boosts and and a stat boost yeah absolutely it's yes. saying like it's like a little mini quest in the scenario to make this thing be worthwhile I really like that I think that's that's really good and it provokes these really good conversations about well how easy or difficult is it to trigger yes I, I it's a thing I'm a big fan of as well the Hawkeye yeah. folding camera is one of my favorite designed cards I think uh, look, looking yeah. back uh, the other yeah. thing I just wanted to mention, I wanted to mention, mm. was we mm. do have another card coming up. I have mentioned Lucid Dreaming, but in Point of No Return, we've got okay. Daredevil. Ooh. This is another rogue skill card, 2 XP, uh, wild icon, and goes, when you commit it to a test, you reveal cards from your deck until you reveal another rogue skill card, and you commit that card to the test as well. Okay. So... Well. so what you could do is commit two aces and then a daredevil and then try and get the third ace off a, off the daredevil, which may or may mm, not work. But if the reason I was thinking about it was, we had a very brief chat about this, but if you're, say, Leo, Leo Anderson, that is, yeah. you could just have three aces and daredevil be your only rogue cards, or rogue skill cards, rather. Mm-hmm. So then you're guaranteed, once you've got two aces to get the third one on a Daredevil pick. That's really nice. And that then is as automatic success on some vital fight or whatever it is as Leo, we're assuming, yes, right? Yes, exactly, yes. That's your double or nothing flamethrower or something. <laughs> I think, and we've not talked about Daredevil yet on the cast, but very briefly, the idea was either that you run very few skills and Daredevil immediately selects the skill you need, or that you run 
a whole range of skills and you don't mind what Daredevil kind of gets you. I think that was the thrust yes, of it. exactly, yes. Because I look at Daredevil and think for Succeed by Two, it could be really useful, exactly as I just described, where you're chucking in a couple of cards, but you actually want more of your Succeed by Two skills committed, and Daredevil goes and fetches you one. But you really don't want to play Daredevil when you've got only one of your three aces committed, because if it goes and fetches you a second, that we're into that danger zone of two aces. No one likes a pair of aces. Yeah. That's a really good shout. Daredevil's really interesting. And interestingly, it's fortune and practice as well. It's the same traits as three aces. Yes. Yeah, good point, actually. Yeah. I don't know if that means anything. We'll have to wait. And also, we might see other cards that fit in to that that archetype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we'll see a rogue that's just a gambler. You know, we've seen Gregory Gry yeah. and... Is there one in the in the fiction? I'm not sure. That's a good point. I'm not sure if there is. I feel like Finn Edwards is is close to it. And I suppose Jenny, as a kind of dilettante, she's known to go to speakeasies and things like that. But, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Great. Well, we hope you've enjoyed Three Aces. You can get in touch with us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Twitter and Facebook. And we're also on Patreon and Designed by Humans. So you can buy yourself a nice Drawn to the Flame jumper in winter. Very nice. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United Everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on uh, Twitter and Reddit and Discord as that. So please say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm everywhere that is Twitter as F-B, E-P-H underscore B-E-E, and Instagram as F-E-B, E-P-H-Y-B-E-E, and I'm around the places Zooey Glass or Zozo. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.